So we're still working through Philippians. And we're going to do a whole chapter today. Philippians 3, verse 1, and we're going to go a verse into chapter 4. So it's a lot of ground to cover, which means I'm not going to cover everything. I have to pick and choose what I'm going to say. But let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through Christ, or through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For As I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Amen. It's funny, I put a bad camping trip up there, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) 
Sometimes you have moments when you write a sermon, and then I was going through it last night, and I went, that's not going to work, and so I changed it all. (laughs) But I do want to talk about treasure hunts. I was thinking about my kids. I don't know, did you ever go on treasure hunts as a kid? I I kind of remember doing it, but... (laughs) You just have to know, boy treasure hunts and girl treasure hunts look very differently, don't they? <laughs> but my kids really loved to go on treasure hunts, they would call them, and, and probably because my mom just really encouraged it. And My mom had this little shelf on her house for my kids to put all of their treasures that they found along around the farm. And so you would go in my mom's house, and there was a shelf, and you would see pine cones, Bird feathers, old bird nests, different kind of rocks that looked pretty, maybe a dead frog even. I don't know. It was, it was a really a weird shelf. You would walk in and you'd be going, what in the world? What is going on here? But these were, you know, everybody else would look at it and think it was junk, garbage. But the kids looked at it and said, this is, these are our treasures. We'll get rid of anything that we want, anything else so that we can have these treasures. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven as a treasure. He tells this really short parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man going through a field and coming across this great treasure And so he hides it, he goes back home, sells everything he has, everything he has, and in his joy, goes and buys that field so he can have the treasure. And that's what Paul's talking about in this passage. He's he's had a good life growing up. He he had kind of all of the right things and he, he gloried in them. They were his treasures. He says, Man, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Like, I've got it going on. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. faultless. And for us, we may think that doesn't sound like that impressive of a... A list of things. But for us, you could hear somebody saying, I've been born in the right family. I had the right education. I grew up in the church my whole life. I'm part of the right clubs. I've done everything that I was supposed to do. I've kind of got it going on. And Paul said, that that was me. I mean, Christians do that all the time, right? We, We put all these little things up on our treasure shelf and say, man, I was... I was baptized and we put it up there and I was born in a Christian family and we put it up there and I, I went to Christian school and I, and I went to church all the time and I went to prayer group and I, and I tithed and I did all of these things. We put them up on our treasure shelf and we look at them and smile and think, got it, I've got it going on. I've, these, these are my treasures. And yet Paul, as he grows up, he looks at his treasure shelf and says, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish or garbage that I may gain Christ. 
He says, I've lost everything so that I could know Christ. I've, I've got rid of everything so that I may know Christ. Why? Because he says Christ is surpassingly greater than anything else in the entire world. Knowing Christ is surpassingly greater than everything else in the whole world. And so he says, all this other stuff I thought was treasure, I now realize is nothing. That your baptism means nothing if you don't know Christ. Growing up in a Christian family means nothing if you don't know Christ. Christian education means nothing if you don't know Christ. Going to church every Sunday and tithing and going to prayer group and all of that, it means nothing if you don't know Christ. Don't hear me saying that none of those things are important. They're all really important. They're significantly important. And yet, yet Paul says, yeah, these things are important, but they're nothing compared to knowing Christ. I can do all the right things and not know Christ in my life is lost and it's worthless. Knowing Christ is surpassingly greater than anything else in the entire universe. It is the greatest treasure that we could ever have. And I just want to take a moment to let that sink in. Because I, I found myself, you know, God does this, right? As I'm working on this and studying it and writing the sermon, I just have to stop every once in a while and go, boy, Do I believe this? I mean, he says, I mean, I I found myself asking, do I really believe that knowing Christ is that valuable? That knowing Christ is is more valuable than anything else in the universe? I mean, I know I know it up here, but I mean, do I know it in here so that it, it changes the way that I live? I mean, it's pretty convicting. We, we like to put lots of things on our, on our treasure shelf, and yet Paul says the only one that matters is Christ. It's the only one, and, and it do, doesn't matter if we think he's that, that uh, valuable or not, he is. The truth is he is that valuable. And so Paul said, put him there and then, and then have your life work around that knowledge. If he's really that valuable more valuable than anything else, it should change the way he lives. He says, I want to know Christ. That's, that's his goal. That's his life mission. Everything he does is about, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's, he's taken his his little treasure shelf of being born in the right family, right education, doing all. He pushed all that stuff to the back and put Christ in front and said, now all of that stuff has to serve knowing Christ. That's my goal. Everything else in my life now is going towards this one purpose of knowing Christ. So I go to church every Sunday so that I could know Christ. I have, I go to Christian school so that I can know Christ. I, I do, I go to work every day so that I can know Christ. I, I raise my kids in such a way that they can know Christ and that I can know. Every single aspect of his life is now focused on this one thing, knowing Christ. He's found that treasure hidden in the field and he said, I'm selling everything. 
so that I can get that field. But then he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of for that which Christ took hold of me. He says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And I think that gives us some hope because the great apostle Paul says, hey guys, I haven't done it yet. (laughs) I'm not perfect. I mean, we can sometimes look and think Paul was perfect, right? And Paul says, boy, I've been at this a long time and I'm not there. I haven't obtained it. Sure, he has some knowledge of Christ, but he says, I'm looking for a fuller, deeper knowledge of Christ. This is a relationship that gets deeper and deeper and deeper and grows to be um, more full. And he said, I'm not satisfied with just knowing Christ a little bit. I'm not satisfied with just a few coins from the treasure chests on my shelf. I want the whole enchilada. I want the whole thing there, and I'm going to keep going and pressing on until I have it. And, and that treasure isn't financial treasure. It's, not, it's knowing Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all the rest will be added to you. It, it, will, it will come to you in his way. And I think it's just an important reminder for us. I think, man, if Paul can say this, we probably better say this. It's, for us who have followed, been a Christian for a while or have been following Jesus for a while, it's pretty easy for us to begin to think that we've arrived or that we just, I know this all already. I've heard, you, I've, I've heard people preach on this passage 150 times over my life. I don't need to hear this again. And it's easy for us to get that kind of an attitude. And yet the reality is, is we're not even close to having arrived. Not even close. I mean, this is Paul, this guy who is probably the most intense man that we would ever meet. That's that type A, like, I am going to get it done and no one's going to keep me back. I'm going to go, go, go. And he's been following Christ and he's given his whole life to following Christ. He He has been shipwrecked and beaten in trying to know Christ. He's had all of this stuff happen. And he says, I'm not there yet. I haven't obtained it. I'm not perfect. I still need to grow. I've still got a long way of going to, to know Christ more fully. And I think, boy, if Paul is saying that, I better say that too. I've got a long way to go in knowing Christ. When, when we turn to Christ in faith, we, we, we get this little glimpse of who he is. We see him enough to know that he's beautiful and glorious and, and we want to follow him. But then the rest of our life is on this treasure hunt of knowing him more and more and more. We see that there's more glory and more, more beauty there if we know him more fully. And so we, we treasure hunt and we seek after him going, going, going. And it will keep happening until we die. We will never arrive in this life. You will never be the perfect, holy Christian. You will always be growing. You always need to be seeking to know Christ more fully. Striving. I mean, it's important to use those kind of words because Paul says that. He says, I press on 
I forget what's behind and I strain toward what's ahead. I press on toward the goal. He uses this language that it's hard work. It, it's not hard work to necessarily become a Christian. You just turn from your sin and turn to Christ in faith and say, I believe in you. Forgive me. I'm, now I'm going to follow you. But then you start following him. And then it's hard work to know Christ more. It's, it's not easy. It do, it's not, you know, I was thinking of, have you seen the movie National Treasure? It's like one of my favorite movies, right? This is long movie about a treasure hunt and they almost die how many times and they're jumping from rotten wood things to this and they're getting shot at and they're doing that. That's the Christian life. It's, it's not walking down the beach with a, with a metal detector looking for little treasures while the waves go and the wind. No, it's, there's a striving. There's a pressing on toward the goal and life gets hard. Life gets difficult. And Paul says, just keep striving. Just keep your eyes on Christ and keep going so that you know him more fully, that you can receive that treasure of knowing Christ. It's going to take work, but he says, it's worth it. It's not just work for work's sake. It's work towards a goal. It's work towards this treasure that's there. And he says, I, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I forget what's behind and I strain forward to what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. I mean, that's the goal in the end. That when we die or when Christ comes again, we will be in His presence fully. We will fully know him and and to the point where our bodies will be transformed into this glorious body where there's no pain, no sorrow, none of that. That is the end game goal and the treasure that we seek. So Paul says, it's worth it. It may be hard work. It may seem like you're digging holes in all the wrong places trying to find that treasure or that you're beating your head up against the wall trying to know Christ or that you're just wasting your time and looking in all the wrong places. And Paul says, don't worry about that. Forget what's behind. Forget it. Turn around, look at Christ and, and go. Forget what's behind and strain forward toward Christ. Forget the mistakes you've made, forget the things that held you back, forget the backsliding, forget all of that. Turn around from it and look toward Christ and receive the treasure that he holds out of knowing him more fully. Because that prize in the end is knowing him fully and then a transformation of our bodies. I mean, it's a glorious picture at the end of this, at the end of this treasure hunt or at the end of this Race, this picture of renewed bodies and being in the presence of Christ. Now, I know that it's Palm Sunday, and I haven't mentioned it at all yet. <laughs> I did that on purpose because I want to I wanna have us think about Palm Sunday just a little bit differently to get a picture of what it's pointing to. You know, there's this 
We, we know the typical picture of Palm Sunday where the kids acted it out where Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on, on the donkey and, and people come out of the city, it says, and they took palm branches. They went out to meet him and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel, right? And there's crowds shouting it. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people shouting it. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be there, to see the glory of that moment. All these people screaming, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And, and they didn't just come up with that practice on their own. That's actually what they typically did when a king would come riding into a town. They would send a group of people out to, to welcome the king and to do, sing praise and honor and glory to him as he comes into the town. And then there's this beautiful picture that I don't have time to explain as much as I would like. But the picture that Scripture gives of when Christ comes back again is a picture of Palm Sunday happening again. That as Christ descends from heaven to enter earth and to establish his kingdom here fully, it says that all the dead in Christ will be raised again from the beginning of history. Adam and Eve, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, all of them from the beginning of history will be raised from the dead and will come out in this Palm Sunday procession to welcome Christ into his kingdom. Can you imagine what that will be like? That will be you along with Moses and Adam and Eve and your loved ones who have passed before crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord as Christ comes again. Not just a hundred of thousand people. I'm talking millions upon millions of people screaming, probably to the point where the earth shakes, saying, praise to God, praise to Jesus Christ, blessed is the King of Israel as he comes back. Paul says that, that's the end of this. That's the, the end of this treasure hunt. And it's that picture that I want to have keep before your eyes. Like, don't forget that that's the end. We get, we get caught up in life and we get caught up in all the difficulties of life and things happening and, and just life kind of stinks sometimes. And, and Paul says, but don't forget, there's this treasure waiting. And that's what you're running toward. You're going to know Christ fully. Your body's going to be transformed and you're going to worship Christ fully with everybody else throughout all of history as he comes back. So keep pushing forward. Forget what lies behind. Turn forward and, and follow Christ. And, and as we get caught up in just the hustle, bustle, busyness of our everyday lives, take some moments and just stop. Especially this week as we're waiting, as Easter's coming, take some moments and stop and think about Palm Sunday and then think about Palm Sunday times 575 when Christ comes again. And remember, that's what we're running toward. This glorious day when Christ comes back, renews heaven and earth, renews our bodies, and we will know him fully. And the crazy thing is we'll spend all eternity getting to know him more fully. I know that's probably not... (laughs) Grammatically correct, but every day we'll be knowing him more and more and more and more and more for all eternity's sake, receiving more and more of that valuable treasure. So Paul says, 
Forget what's behind. Look at Christ and run towards him because he's the greatest treasure. Knowing him is the greatest treasure that you could ever, ever have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for these pictures and glimpses that you give us of the treasure that you have and the, and the joy that you have to offer and these future glories that, you will, that we will get to share in with you. Father, keep our eyes there. We pray, help, our heart, help stir our hearts to see the beauty and the glory of those moments, and may they give us strength to sustain us through the ups and downs of this life. Father, we pray that you would keep our eyes on you and that we would truly see you as the greatest treasure in all the universe and that we would seek to know you more and more fully over all things. Lord, we ask you to do this work in us and we ask that you would be glorified through all of the things that we say and do. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.